Hi, this is Zach, your host of the Auxoro podcast, The Voice of Music Artists, and you are about to listen to part two, the last part of our series with Lil Aaron. And if you haven't listened to part one, do yourself a favor, pour yourself a nice glass of wine, light up a J perhaps, and sit back to the soothing sounds of Aaron's voice on part one right after this. Or before. It really doesn't matter, as long as you're not wearing pants. That's right. This podcast is best enjoyed without pants, so slide them off, get comfortable, and forget that your life is an absolute shit show for 45 captivating minutes. Then go right back to that shit show. Without further ado, here is part two of our conversation with Lil Aaron. So going back to the mini mansion, there are probably too many party stories to go back to. There's a lot. I is there anything? Is there anything that sticks out in particular where you're like, yo, like if I was, if I was gonna tell a story to my grandkids about the mini mansion, like oh, sixty years from now, like, oh, like Grandpa Aaron's telling a story, like gather around <laughs> kids. Fuck. I don't, uh, as far as stories that I would feel comfortable telling my grandkids, <laughs> pretend your grandkids are like <laughs> in people living in your house. Yeah, they're living <laughs> in your house. They, you pass down the house to your grandkids. Um, shit. I'm trying to think here. Do you want any more of this bottle, by the way, before I crush Good. it? Go for it. Um, shout out to, what is it? Cuddy Sark. Cuddy Sark. Prohibition edition. Delicious. Fucking delicious. Ah, fuck. ah stories. I'm trying shout to- Shout out Big Picture Media. Yeah, Thank big you. shout out Big Picture Media. Um, as far as stories go, huh? Just like party stories. The, the parties would get to the point where like, where like, you couldn't move. Like if you my, my house isn't, the, we, we call it the mini mansion, emphasis on the mini. Like it's a three bedroom house. And I've got a little backyard, but it got to the point where like, if you were in the corner of the backyard, you couldn't even get like, it would take you 45 minutes to an hour just to get to the front door. Was that the drugs video? The the mini mansion? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to say. Shot the drugs video there. Yeah. Shot the quit video there too. Um, dude, it got so fucking ratchet. Actually in, in the drugs video. So I had a stripper pole in my living room, which I still have it, but, uh, in the shooting of the drugs video, you can see like all these kids moshing around the stripper pole, and then some kid gets pushed into it, and it just like fucking like completely like knock like rips off the wall off the ceiling. That's a fucking funny story. I don't know. There's the drugs video we actually shot twice too. There's there's an old version of that we, we didn't put out. Um, the same. I mean, it's shot at the mini mansion too, but I mean the the mini man like it early on it helped me a bunch too because. I had had a little bit of success in the songwriting world, but I still didn't know everyone, you know, especially in the artist world and the SoundCloud artist world where I wanted to live. So um, throwing those parties like got me in the door with a bunch of those people. Like most of the artists I know through that world, like even like Peep came through there. Like there, there's a bunch of like crazy artists that that came through and that I met through throwing those. So that, I mean, I'm, I'm forever thankful for that and for, like, the artists that I got to come in contact and meet and um, try, I mean, like, just about everyone that, like, that is, like, in my scene, I feel like, came came through there at some point. Because at one point we were doing parties, like, every two days. Like, what are you going to do when you're fucking 21, 22 and you, like, have a house? Like, you're going to fucking throw crazy parties. Because if you weren't, like, I, I was in college, so, like, I was doing the same thing not to that level but like 
you dropped out of high school, went to LA. So do you, do you consider that kind of like the period in your life where you went through like the college? That college yeah, experience? I guess so. I'd rather be in school with a mini mansion than. Well, I, mean, I, I that's funny. School, I haven't even thought. I've never thought about it like, like that. I never <laughs> thought about it like that, and I dropped out of high school. So like, I was always kind of like envious of my, all my friends who were like, "Fuck, you got to go to a college and like, so it's a bunch of kids your age trying to party." Like, fuck, I wish I had that because I love partying. But I guess yeah, those those initial uh, that initial like year year and a half at the mini mansion was probably probably considered my college party days we went fucking hard though bro like till 8 a.m like just going stupid bro and like i would i would like make it a point because at first i was really worried about like oh my party's gonna be cool so like i would buy like fucking 200 beers you know like get kegs and shit and like have all this liquor so I was like, all right, I know people will come if it's like if it's a cool house party and there's free booze, people are gonna come. And then very quickly it turned to like, how do we get less people here? Which is impossible <laughs> at that point. These people start everybody, to leak over into the front yard. Like, yeah, everybody knew the address, and yeah. as as soon as a couple people would come over, people would know there was a party, and people knew that the parties there were fucking insane. So like everybody wanted to come. So that's when that's kind of like why they had to die is because it got too big. It it outgrew itself very quickly. And even, I mean, even now, like whenever my roommates are like, oh, can we have some people over? I'll be like, just please tell people it's not a party. If people catch wind that there's another party here, it's just fucking game over. Did you ever feel like you were at a point where you were partying too much to create to the level that you wanted? Because like when I was a bum back in school, I'd have like, I would have like a game at six, seven next day or maybe an afternoon class. And I'm waking up at like three other people are halfway done with their day. And I'm just like, damn, like. I feel like I kind of feel like a bum and like definitely kind of crushes your day when you're doing that. I got I got really, really comfortable. Like, you know, I'm saying I was struggling for so long. I got some money. I got my crib. I'd never had my own place, you know, and I'd never had money to that extent. So, yeah, I was just fucking partying, getting wasted, doing whatever the fuck I wanted, buying stupid shit. And there was no. I immediately lost that sense of urgency that I had when I was, you know, when I was broke and I was like, all right, I need to like create so that I can get to that point. So I immediately was uninspired. And all I, and when I was on, when I would go to the studio and I was uninspired, I'd be like, fuck it, I'm just going to go home and like party with my friends, you know? So it became this like weird, vicious cycle that I, I ended up, I mean, I, I got myself out of it, but it was, yeah, for there, for a point there, I was definitely like, it was also like, you know, you not that I had everything by any means, but but in relation to what I had had a few months prior, I really thought I had everything. And so it kind of I hit this point where I was like, OK, cool. This is all I ever wanted. Now I'm doing it. And all it results in is me like waking up feeling like shit and like having a house that's like messy as fuck. I'm like, is like what what is this all for? And I really had to kind of like reevaluate and and really have some time with myself to think about like okay like my goal wasn't to get outside late to party it was never that it was never ever that my goal was to come out to late to make music so that's kind of when i started dialing back on the parties but yeah i mean there to answer your question i 100% hit that point where i was like is this what i fucking wanted like did, did I, is ha- is being the person that like is cool because you can 
get fucked up at their house. It's like, is that the coolest thing ever? Which at the end of the day, it's not, you know? And and even though I made a bunch of really good friends with that, I also made a bunch, there's a bunch of people that once I stopped having parties, you stop hearing from them. I yeah. feel like anyone who throws parties. Like the real it. ones stick around. Yeah. And the ones who just come they over just and get fucked up. Yeah, 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 they just exactly. wanted a spot to drink at. Um, so that was a big reality check. But I think shortly after that, I was when around the time when when after Glowing Pains was out that I like started really focusing on Rockstar Famous because like I said that project took me like a year and a half. Um, so then I got really like it kind of flipped on itself and I just got really fucking inspired and focused and I was like, all right, cool, I'm gonna put everything I have into making this project. And um, that was around the same time. That was like a little bit before I went on a tour with Bear. So like I had these opportunities coming and I was really like, all right, I'm not going to let myself lose these opportunities because I'm getting fucked up. Like that's stupid. I haven't even close to made it. I'm like celebrated. You know what I'm saying? I like celebrated a small victory like I was, had won the Super Bowl, you know? And so I had to like really tame myself and dial it back and and really start to focus again on working and and – in turn, I feel like that's where I got Rockstar Famous from is kind of, I think a lot of the songs touch on that. Like sometimes is is one of those songs where like, I really felt that like, you know, you're at, yeah, at night you sometimes wait. Sometimes I feel like shit. Yeah, sometimes at night I you're like, like you're the man, man, everyone's at your house, there's all these girls and there's all these famous people and you're partying and doing drugs and you're drinking. And then you wake up in the morning and nobody's there and you're fucking like, you feel like death. It's like you can really in the matter of like 12 hours feel the spectrum of like being on top of the world and being like the fucking scum of the earth, you know? And so I think, you know, not, I don't think I would go back in time and change anything because all those experiences led to things that, you know, that turned into songs. Well, I feel that, like, I feel like you almost need that feeling of guilt from partying because if you, if you go through that, phase especially like back in the day and i wasn't doing it because of music or anything like i was just partying to party but you feel guilty about it but then when you're in grind mode like you were and like you still are it makes you appreciate the moments where you can sit back and be like yo i fucking deserve yeah, this night like definitely. i like i don't feel guilty about this shit at all like i just spent like three months straight like definitely in the studio writing whatever and like 12 hours a day like, everything in yeah. moderation like i didn't qu like you know what i'm saying like it's not like i quit drinking or i quit yeah. partying but it's everything in moderation it's just like a mindset yeah. and it's and yeah and it's celeb like celebrating when you like you said like when you earned it that's a big thing i learned and and to, to a point like I did, I had gone like a couple years without really letting loose and really on my grind mode. So maybe I did deserve a couple months of going crazy. But no matter how hard you work, if you just fucking party for two months, your body and your mental state is not going to be happy with you. So like I had to like go through this super high and super low to kind of get back to the like, okay, time to get back on track and like time to really focus on, on the whole reason I do this shit. So switching gears a little bit, I was scrolling through the the Twitter feed. You're you're a lot better at Twitter than me. I like I'm <laughs> I'm jealous of people that are good at Twitter because I'm like, yo, I wish like I could just tweet like that, like or just like say shit like that. <laughs> and it's fucking hilarious. And like you body people on Twitter, like you say stream of thought conscious things that yeah, I'm just yeah. like, oh shit, like that's really specific. But like I can relate to that. Like <laughs> <laughs> and that's hilarious to me. And one of the things that I saw um, 
is you've tweeted out a few porn stars, and we have a we have a mutual love for porn stars. Oh fuck yeah! I I appreciate I appreciate their work. It's I rec- an art form. It's an it art it form. is an art form. No, I, I no joke. Like I recently, I don't know if you're familiar with Johnny Sins. Like he's all over Brazzers. Like he he's like the dude of like the porn world. He he came out with. That's a weird to say. Like the dude, people were probably like, "Yo, I thought he was gonna no, say I'm like." Friends, I'm friends with some dude porn stars, but but uh, he started a, a vlog series called Sins TV that I recently like started watching, and it's like the behind the scenes, like in the trenches of being a porn star. Like he goes into like the fucked up shit that he had to do, like when he first moved out to LA, like scenes he had to do, like all this shit, and it's just like a, a stream of consciousness thing. Like, and it's really interesting to to listen to so i was just wondering from your end like what do you think makes porn stars so appealing because like i've thought about like dating porn stars like shit like that he he brings up the topic of like would you be okay with dating a porn star and i'm like oh fuck like i don't know like oh dude well see so first off i think i've said this before i think porn stars are rock stars and part of that is i'm surrounded by rock stars and i and i'll never lose sight of like a rock star is a rock star but i think it's really cool to to have someone in a different industry that I don't work in to like really see like because from the same time when I was like getting into some of my favorite rock bands I was getting into some of my favorite porn stars you know like and and I've always been kind of like very goes hand in hand yeah I've rock always and been, cock exactly rock and <laughs> cock is hand in hand one hand and one hand <laughs> rock and one hand. Um, but I I've always been very sex positive I I I love and respect sex workers and then once the thing is once I got obviously i kind of got into it same reason any dude gets into porn but then once i started like befriending some of them and like and like really like seeing how their everyday life not everyday life but like seeing like the struggles they went through on a bigger scale and the way that they're like treated you know by the masses is i really kind of it opened my eyes to some of the rights that they're not afforded it's like they i mean they're humans and they they're they work jobs and they they run their own businesses. They're like independent and they, and it's it's fucking crazy that like the government is trying to like hold them back. It's it's super it's super fucked. It's super fucked. If you look up to like the whole like FOSTA SESTA thing, it's like it's super fucked. Um, and even What's like FOSTA SESTA. Man, I wish I could answer that a little bit better, but it's about it's it essentially. I hope I hope I don't get this wrong. Essentially, it's about how like the the it's like um fuck i feel it's like internet censorship when it comes to like sex workers mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure i need to i need to get a better answer for that but um it just like a lot of i mean it, we're young and we think you know porn stars are cool but there's still like these old fucking dudes it's not all dudes just just like there's old people that like think that like if you use your body for that shit like that you're like fucking you know what I'm saying? Like this yeah, old no, mindset of like exactly. that it's like the devil and that like you're not pure and all this like stupid bullshit that's like so frustrating. That's that's actually a perfect segue to what I wanted to get into because I know you come but from But shout uh, out sex workers, sex yes. workers real work. I love even all my even sex strippers friends. too, like porn stars, strippers, like yeah, people meet all mis- sex work, yeah. mistreat strippers all the time, sex work sex workers in general. But I I was reading a little bit that you were brought up super christian come from a yeah, christian family definitely i was the same way i went to a catholic high school for four years because that's what the length of high school <laughs> but 
uh, like jacking and tie every day, like mass once a week, like all this stuff. And like coming from that background, it, it makes you feel so bad about like sex, drinking, like any any urges you have that every other human being has, you almost have you almost have to like punish yourself. Like there's a period where I went through where I was mentally punishing myself for like feeling certain ways like in high school because i was constantly like beat over the head with like don't yeah, no sex before same. marriage like no Fuck drinking yeah. no drugs like nothing like how how did you kind of like get work out that? Of, yeah, yeah work through that yeah uh i mean a big part of it was you know coming to la and, and kind of living my life on my own without my the umbrella of my parents um and really coming to terms with like where my morals were and I feel like a lot of people are scared. Uh, my parents definitely were scared too. It's like, oh, you're going to move to LA. You're going to lose your morals. So I didn't lose my morals. It's just once once I realized that I didn't align myself with like Christianity and the Bible, I had to rethink a lot of my morals and be like, okay, cool. I, you know, like I was taught that homosexuality was bad because of the Bible. But if I don't agree with the Bible, then I got to reroute all that shit. You know what I'm saying? So once I kind of like was able to, undo peel back some of those layers and like really process why i thought thing like why i felt bad about cer certain things why why i thought certain people were doing wrong or whatever it was even though like something like homosexuality i feel like early on in the christian world i was still like ah, i think you guys are wrong like there, there's nothing wrong with that shit but yeah, like, you, you <laughs> but you're still like, you want, but, but no matter like how strong you are, if you're like in that world and you're, it's beaten into your head every day, like they, they, they fucking brainwash you, you know? So like once I was able to completely remove myself from it and start thinking freely on my own and have my own experiences and make my own friends from different walks of life, that's when I really started to like build my own moral system and, and be like, you know, my, I feel like the basis of my moral system is that like everyone is fucking equal. So when, and, and it's so easy to, to hate someone or think less of someone from a certain walk of life. If you haven't met them yeah, and you don't know where they're coming, you don't know where they're they coming from. The so way. when you can, once you start meeting people and like really having your own experiences that aren't this sheltered umbrella of a fucking world that only exists a couple of miles from each other, like, going out to a place like LA where it's like there's all different walks of life, you can really start seeing like, okay, these people are people too. Porn stars are people too. You know what I'm saying? Like all these different walks of life, we're all the same. Some of us were brought up in different ways. And some of, some of us are still working through the demons of the ways that we were brought up. And for some people, it's like Christianity. For some people, it's like, you know what I'm saying? There's, everybody has their own, their own story in the way that they, you know, were raised and it's not even about how you were raised like the way you were brought up the place that you're from you know like i'm still like indiana uh yeah, indiana, yeah i'm from indiana fuck, yeah, yeah conservative as fuck and but there's but like even even that it's like there's still people that are that are that weren't afforded the um even though i'd like to sit here and be like oh like fuck indiana all this shit like uh, indiana is dope but there's still people that weren't even afforded the luxuries of of growing up in America, you know? So it's like, everything's about perspective. And once you can really learn to like compare your perspective, not compare, but like to, to know that your perspective is your perspective and that doesn't negate anyone else's perspective. That doesn't mean you're right and someone else is wrong. It just means that it just helps you reach that point of open-mindedness where like everybody's voice matters. And that's kind of like where I felt like I hit my stride, I guess, of like really understanding 
everyone else and where everyone else was coming from and realizing that certain things that I had been taught maybe not were, maybe weren't actually my own beliefs. And like, after a couple of years of that, I kind of like have gotten to a point where I'm like, I'm firm in my own beliefs of like, like I said, like everybody's equal. Everybody deserves the same opportunities. Some people are afforded certain luxuries that other people aren't, but all we can do is just like, be nice to everyone and, and, you know, be able to hear everybody else out and like really try to like do whatever we can to like move forward the whole human race as a whole. I feel like. It, I feel like it was tough for me because going to a school that was built on Christian foundations, like I, I saw a lot of the the good that comes from Christian principles. Like there, there's a lot of good in they're the Bible, based, but there's also based, a lot of bad yeah. and, I, and seeing the hypocrisy, not, so much in the actual there is hypocrisy in the text but like in the people that run the institutions like and it almost seemed like kind of a cult to me like the it is a cult bro. thinking back cult. to it like the call response like in the church like i say this like you say that like i say this like you say that in response 100 and it like cult. leaves no room for interpretation that was like my whole part like you can't just like make up your own thing and like say it back to the priest like everyone would be like yo what the fuck like what did this i did do say? that shit i got yeah. fucking like roasted for doing that shit i was i, would always be I like, got in trouble for asking questions in high school like, yeah, about, yeah exactly once i learned that was one of the one of the turning points for me with Christianity. When I started getting in trouble for asking questions, I was just like, all right, fuck it, I'm out. Because I'm never gonna be a part of an institution that doesn't let me act. Like if if your views are sound, I should be able to ask as many questions as I want and you should have all the answers. And if you don't have the answers right now, you should be open to me asking and finding the answer with me. You know? Uh yeah, there was times where I got in trouble for asking questions that I was like well, why am I fucking here if I can't even just, like, be curious? That's how I learned. That's how I learned in music. That's how I learned in school. That's how I learned in general is I ask questions. Yeah, I remember the question that I, – I got kicked out of class a couple times, but I remember the question that, like, got a response from the teacher. He, like – he was like, yo, like, don't even go there, whatever. It was – we were talking about hell, revelation, something that had to do with Satan and – people going to hell like obviously you think of like the worst people people that have done fucked up shit and i asked if satan is the if satan is the overlord of hell why would he want to punish people that were like him like why would he want to fuck with people like why wouldn't hell just be like one big party like i didn't say like that. well to be honest but i was like if if hell's real it is a big party and i'm I'm excited to go party yeah i was like yo like if satan is the overlord of the most fucked up people on the planet like god put him in charge (laughs) also why would he want to punish those people why wouldn't he just be like welcome like also look at it this way if hell's real like I know all of my favorite musicians and actors are going to be chilling there. So, like, yeah. where do I want to be? In heaven with fucking, like, yeah. Joel Olstein, Or do I want to be in fucking hell with in fucking, like, <laughs> with, like, Elvis Presley and shit? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I'm not trying – like, I'm trying to party. I'm not trying to, like, fucking read books, bro. What the fuck? Going off of the the Christian concepts, the Christian principles, your views have obviously changed a lot since moving out to L.A., but you still incorporate a lot of the Christian imagery into your artwork, the cover art for glowing pains. You had, you were crucified up on like, it looked like lockers or like high school lockers. And then for Rockstar Famous, you had the the barbed wire crown of thorn. Yeah. What, what made you want to take those Christian concepts and incorporate them into your whether art? Whether I like it or not, that was a massive, massive, if not one of the most biggest parts of my upbringing. 
was Christianity. So I can look at it as like this thing, oh, it hold, held me back. Oh, it scarred me for life, all this shit. Or I can look at it and kind of like take the reins and, and, and take my own power over it. To where like, I don't want to be that kind of person where it's like something bad happens to me or something that I would call bad happens to me and I'm like sitting here dwelling and like oh like they hurt me like no I'm like this is my fucking power now this is mine now I own it I went through all that shit now I'm on the other side I own it I get to do whatever the fuck I want with this shit and I get to brand myself and fucking push my own music and be like this is me look oh I'm God now like what the fuck like you know what I'm saying like and not that not that I really think that I'm God but you know what I'm saying like it's taking those things that happened and instead of letting letting them like eat me alive just being like giving, eating, yeah give, giving it a giving it a, a purpose for my own life and like like you said like even though there's a lot of things we can sit here and nitpick about religion and Christianity there are some good messages that, you know, seem to be distorted and everything else by the time they get to whoever, they interpret it the wrong way or whatever. There are some, like, it's at the center of it, there's, like, some good rules. There are the same good rules that everybody else fucking says, you know. It's like, don't kill someone, don't, all this stupid shit. So, like, it's not all bad. It's just the way that it was carried out, I mean, especially in my life, that I wasn't fully in love with, I guess I could say. But... Being able to take those things and, and like I said, like take the reins and be like, look, I'm in charge now. The same way like I'm in charge of my life now and I can do what I want when I want. That's kind of like the whole idea behind that. And like especially with the the Glowing Pains cover, like that whole idea is like the, the cross was made of the school lockers. And I had a really hard time in high school. And that whole idea was kind of like being like crucified by like the public school system and like having every – like being being the person I am and not having fully come out of my shell and where where like everybody's words and every what everybody thinks about me meant so much to me yeah. back then so it hurt and it cut a lot deeper being that product of of both someone that was raised very religious and someone that like was fucking chewed up and spit out by a public yeah, school like, system it's like that's kind of like that was the whole imagery behind that shit there's so many different types of intelligences that can be fostered by the public school system but they only cater to one or two memorization regurgitation good test takers things like that like if you're if you have a creative mindset there's no room for interpretation really in the public school system like it's fucked it's all fucked yeah like i don't know public school it's been a while since i've been in in public school because high school is private middle school is public but like yeah they don't it's not it's not made for someone that wants to go out and fucking do something with their life it's made for someone that wants to like fit into society and that was never what i wanted to be so i it it never it never resonated with me and you know i had problems with my teachers i had problems with my the kids in my school i had you know i'm saying it never was and and it's not like I had a lack of of willingness to learn. I'm still I love learning. I love gaining knowledge. But I like gaining knowledge in the field. I don't want to sit there and have someone who did something tell me how they did it and or like fucking read some old ass book to me. Like I want to go out there and I learned how to tour by being on the fucking road. I learned how to write songs by being in the studio by just writing songs. I learned how to be an artist by surrounding myself with the best artists I could be around. I learned how to, you know what I'm saying? Everything that I'm good at and what I've turned into my business and that I've and that I've that I'm living off of now is the result of 
putting myself in the field and doing it instead of sitting in some fucking room where someone tells me. Well, uh, yeah, at least from my experience, the school system, what a lot of people that control the learning environment don't realize is that if you're left alone, you will seek out the knowledge that you are interested in. Like you will seek out the knowledge that you want to mold yourself into. Graduating from high school, college, like I learn, I consider myself so much more of a learner now than I do back in school. Cause I had, I had to learn the shit that I had to learn in school, part of the curriculum. Now I'm like a fiend for podcast books, like anything that sounds interesting. I'm like, yo, like, give me that. Like exactly. I need a chapter on the train. They didn't even like, let yeah. you. They didn't yeah. even there was let no you. room for learning the shit that you wanted to, to learn. Um, but yeah, Ooh, this whiskey's good. Dude, it is. It is. Do you, do you want to? There's like a little bit left in this, but good. I'm good. Can I still smell water though? So going off of not really fitting in in school, you could take that one step further because you don't really have a, a major lane of sound. Like it's, it, it can definitely be fit into a, tri a trifecta of things like trap, rap, hip hop, pop, punk rock, power chords. Like there's a, there's a whole... There's a whole combination that comes from your background. It's I'm a yeah I'm a professional misfit. Like I learned the same way I was saying with with religion and Christianity. I learned from what I once considered my weaknesses, how to take the reins and make that into my strength. So like my whole life I've been you know the kind of kid where I didn't I kind of fit into this world but not fully. I kind of fit in this world. So I was always friends with like friends with all the different cliques, but like I didn't fit into one. And so once I once I kind of realized that I could do that with my music, because a I, I got so numb to it, like I'm so numb to not fitting in. That's like not that doesn't hurt me anymore. You, when you're in middle school, it's like if you don't fit in, it's like the end of the world, right? When you make it to fucking 24 and you don't fit in, you're like I don't give a fuck. I'm still paid. I'm still I still have my homies. Doesn't matter. So once I so that's that's my strength. I feel like every weakness in life, every time you go through something that fucking sucks and takes a long time. It just makes you stronger in that field. So I'm I feel like one of my strongest suits is being able to be I don't I'm not worried about fitting into a lane. I'm actually worried about not fitting into a lane. I'm worried about only fitting into the lane of Lil Aaron. That's the only lane that that matters to me. I see so many other people that are like that like, you know, have this cool idea and then especially with the industry, they'll be like, okay, well like maybe if you just make it like this, it'll like fade into this lane. It's like fuck that lane. I'm gonna do everything I can to stay away from that lane. And even when there is a little Aaron lane, I'm gonna be like, cool, well, I'm gonna take a fucking hard left and this is my lane now. So all those certain things that happen in life that kind of feel like they fucking suck in the meantime like while they're happening, I feel like being able to like I, I feel like I keep saying this, like being able to take the reins on those, on those setbacks and turn them into your strengths and your powers, your fucking superpowers. That's when you start winning. When you start, when you start being able to take all the experiences, because everybody in life, everybody's experiences are different. We can all agree on that. Nobody's having the exact same life story. So nobody has the same set of superpowers that I have. I look at all these things as like real life superpowers. So I'm just going to put all those superpowers at the front of, of what I do. So I put the whole idea of religion. I put the whole idea of being a misfit. I put the whole idea of being, you know, from a conservative 
area conservative state conservative family like these are my superpowers now instead of being setbacks these are my fucking superpowers nobody's as good as these couple things as i am in the same way i am i mean i'm sure there's other people that have similar stories i hear that all the time especially with my no jumper interview oh like all the things you talked about like i relate to that so much i'm not saying i'm the only person that went through that shit i know there's a lot of kids out there that went through similar stories that i have but then that's the whole thing is you think that you're the only person like everybody's is in their own isolated you know, in your life, you're you're isolated. You feel like you're isolated. You feel like, oh, like I'm the only one who struggles with this. I'm the only one who's that. Once you like can take the reins and make that shit the fucking forefront of of what you do, you realize there's all these other kids that can relate to that. And then you realize that by doing this shit, instead of like instead of music just being some shit that I make because I feel like I'm good at music and it gets me bitches, it's like no, like. I, when I talk about my story and when I relate my story to my music and when I put out these projects, there's other kids out there that are going through what I was going through five yeah. years ago, 10 years ago, three years ago. And then that's when the power comes of like these, like it's more than just fucking writing a catchy melody and, and like some bars. It's about telling my story and showing what I went through to get to where I am and having all these kids have a blueprint the same way I feel like someone like Black Bear had set a blueprint for me. Like I want to set the blueprint for these kids to be like, look, if you know, if, if you go through all this shit and you, and then you make it cool, now fucking go to LA, go to New York, go wherever you ever can make some money and fucking put other kids on. I'm just trying to write the blueprint for all these other kids. If there's, 10 other kids that can base their career and their life. I'm not saying I've done everything right by any means, but if there's 10 other kids that can go out there and do that shit where they fucking get a house and put all their homies on and have a place where other kids can come and, and do their own thing, I'm going to be the happiest kid in the world. Yeah. Like that, that's that impact is like a fucking, it's like a, it's like a tree trunk where like it starts with three people and then it grows out. And then all those, like, I want that shit to, and then it's like a deeply rooted. And then all of a sudden we start changing the fucking, the way the industry works. And we start, and it starts being artists helping artists instead of sharks coming in and fucking taking all the money out of the, out of the creatives pockets and shit like that. Like this, this whole, I feel like, and I'm not saying I'm the only person that's doing this, but I feel like this is the, it's the beginning of like a revolution of, You'll see it with Spotify, with iTunes, and, and the way that now you can put your own music on there. That wasn't you weren't able to do that shit ten years ago. You're you're able to do that shit now, and so it's like if you're able to do that shit now, get your homie to make a beat for you. Get a fucking inter like I recorded Glowing Pains on a mic that was like forty dollars from Guitar Center. Like get a fucking yeah, this mic's like 30 bucks. exactly get a mic from Guitar Center. Get a focus right, torrent some fucking torrent Logic or whatever, or just do it in GarageBand. And fucking get your homie to make some beats. Or you can make your own beats. I just started making beats just the other day. But get like I saw that when I was uh stalking your Twitter. Yeah. I'm pretty stoked on my beats. But <laughs> I, I think it's the, I'm excited. The collaboration between, you know, creatives that are at the same level as you and then like really grow with with the the people you're around. That's my biggest thing is like grow with the people around you. Make sure everybody eats. Make sure everybody, you know has something has has their 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 best foot forward make sure everybody can come together and make these projects and and whether it's your project whether it's their project whether it's their homie's project have your homie that does does videos like it's you can do this shit on your own well it's not on your own without your homies but like you can do this shit with your homies you don't fucking need these like 
fucking big label heads. And and that's also not to say that the labels are are worthless now. I still think that there is like some value to that shit, but but waiting and putting yourself in a position to where you're a valuable asset to them and, and instead of them being the most valuable asset to you, that's that's where I want, you know, that's where I want to be. That's where I want everyone around me to be. Sometimes it makes sense to take the label deal. Sometimes it makes sense to take the publishing deal. Sometimes it makes sense. But being at the position to where you can say no and it doesn't kill you, that's the best position to be in. What you're saying, not staying in your own lane or not trying to pick a lane and like beat it over the head. When you do that, you aren't afraid to take a hard left, like you were saying. And then you cut out the industry, the middleman, however you're listening to music, however it's getting distributed, whoever's representing you. If you just break it down to who's making the music and the listener, the music becomes more of a conversation when you aren't afraid to take risks. Because if you're constantly beating the same thing over the head, like all of the shit that you hear is exactly the same. And then all of a sudden, like Lil Aaron switches up and gives you something different, then the listener if they respect the process, they respect the artist, they're not gonna just gonna be like, oh no, like I don't fuck with that thing and be like, all right, like what made him choose to write like this? Like what was going on with the melody? Like what is he going through at the time that like caused his music to like take a left left turn? Like what's going on with his life? Like it be called it becomes more of like a like a call and answer, like a back and forth between the artist and the listener. And that's what I, that's what I love about not Well there's there's less barriers than ever. I can I can go and put my music on fucking DistroKid and have my fans listen to it. I can go and tweet whatever I want and my fans will read it. I can go and post a picture and my fans are going to see it. I don't we don't need I mean shout out MTV, shout out all these cool blogs, but we don't need need that to to break or to to come up anymore. I can have a direct like you're saying like a direct conversation with me and my fans. I can be like, "Hey, do you guys like this?" No? Cool. Hey, do you guys want more merch? Cool. Hey, do you guys want me to go on tour? What cities do you like? I can literally tweet what cities you yeah, want me to go to. Yeah, what cities do you want me to go to? All right, done. Like, here's my tour. Yeah. Yeah. What artist do you want me to tour with? Like, there, there's never been that kind of direct artist to fan relationship in, in, until the last few years. And to the point where it's like, even when Twitter first started, artists were tweeting like every day, every other day. Like, I'm on Twitter all fucking day and I'm reading what my fans say about me. It's weird to call it. I, Sounds cliche, weird to call them my fans, but like, you know, what I'm saying, like, it's a community, it's my friends. It's like, I tweet something and they're like, oh, whatever. I tweet about making beats and they're like, oh, cool. Like, uh, even when I started making beats, I had like my fans like helping me learn how to do certain things in production, in the production world. That's the coolest shit ever. I can talk directly to them. I was trying to figure out how to do one thing and some kid literally Snapchatted me like a little mini tutorial on how to do it. And I was like, oh shit, I didn't catch that. And he did it again. And like, I learned how to do it. I'm like, this is the coolest shit ever. There's kids that support me and I support them and they can, I, we can talk to each other whenever we want to. Like the, it's the end of, it, the separation isn't there anymore. You can, I think there's artists that are fucking killing it in that, right? Like Puya is a good example of someone that's like really taking the independent route to the top. And and not on some fake Macklemore shit, like really taking the independent shit to the top and really like he hears what his fans say. He makes me, the music, he tours for them. And like, you know, what I'm saying there's there's a lot of cool artists that are really doing it. And I love being in that mix, even though I'm not at the top yet. 
But like, I love being even Black Bear before. I mean, someone like him, it's like it made sense for him to sign because he wasn't going to take a song to radio on his own. So he took it all the way to the top independently. And then when the shit was, the numbers were there, he took it to a major label. They took it to radio. He was all over radio. So there's obviously a point in any artist's career where it makes sense to have these valuable relationships. But he still has that direct artist to listener relationship with all fucking ten million of his fans now. You know what I'm saying? Like, and the, the labels are still there. They still have the assets that make them. They have money, but the seamless communication like you were saying between the listeners and the artists i've been thinking about for a while like will you know facebook soundcloud twitter instagram like you you can almost act as your own label now so i am my own label yeah, i started my own label yeah, and i started my own label rockstar famous came out on my label has heart record and that makes that brings up a point that i've been thinking about like will instagram like beyond just having your own page like a verified page like an artist page like if you're popping, like they fuck with your shit, like almost like them reaching out to you and saying like, we want to represent you, like actually like Facebook or Instagram, or Twitter, SoundCloud, like reaching out and like setting you up with representation, like through their platform. Like, I think that could be something that could happens be, in yeah, the future. Potentially could be the next that, level. That, and that's just like some shit that I think about when I'm fucked up. Like, <laughs> no, that could, like, that, that could definitely that be. be crazy if like they're beyond just a verified page is like. If it was like Lil Aaron, like this is his like label page with Instagram or like we represent these artists, like, but that's like, I think that could be a future. It's yeah, a future. It's coming, that it's, right coming it's coming yeah. sooner, sooner than you think. Like that yeah. shit's happening. The, the way, the way that music industry works, especially the music industry, I've seen it. Obviously I have the most um, experience in the music industry, but I've seen it more so at the music industry than any other industry. It changes fucking overnight it changes quickly everything changes you have to be there you have to be on the forefront of it to keep up with everything so like all these things are changing and i think a lot of those points you brought up like i think i mean some of them are are being acted out right now but some of them like it's it's a matter of months if not a year before like certain things like that are like a reality and it's going to be at the point where if you make the decision to be independent and then start your own label and then start putting artists on, which is what I'm doing, has art records, it becomes easier and easier to do that. So being in the middle of all this, it's a really cool time to like see everything change. I think everything's changing in the benefit of the artist right now, which is the first time it's happened in a long time. It's always been kind of like the benefit of whoever else was involved, but now it's kind of like at the benefit of the artist, which is really cool, really inspiring. It's a cool time to be in the middle of it. It's a cool time to be, you know, at a position where I can help put artists on, which is, like I said, that's that's my main goal is to help put other people on. So to close up, I've seen you open up with Black Bear and, and you haven't done a the headlining tour yet, but I will be at the, the first time you stop wherever in New York. And it just made me think about, because like you, you have these artists like, Travis Scott, Kanye, that kind of dabble in like punk rock, like guitarists, but like they don't really dive all the way in. But their shows are kind of like more tour, like Mashi, like they they have that energy. What's the ideal headlining Lil Aaron show? Like it's gonna be me. Like atmosphere, fans, like visuals, like everything. Like what? What's your ideal show? It's gonna be me with a full band. It's gonna be crazy visuals. It's gonna be high intense energy. 
Um, it's gonna be yeah, kids gonna be moshing, kids gonna be dancing. It's not gonna be some sit there on your fucking phone and take a Snapchat of it. It's gonna be some high energy, high, you know, like everyone getting together to like celebrate being fucking losers. You know what I'm saying? Like that's I feel like the accumulation of my fan base is like we're the fucking dopest losers out there. So like it's just gonna be a bunch of fucking losers hanging out. Dancing, yeah. the misfits, fucking dancing. Yo, this is like your chance to get away and fucking like it's gonna be that energy. I think and and um I've toured before and I'm and I'm not ashamed of of my live performance, but I haven't had the the full chance yet to really put together the live band with the full energy. Yeah, you're like limited in space. Exactly. And the budget yeah. and all that stuff. But once I have the full reins to really do what I want with the live show, it's gonna be next level. And I think that's really gonna be the turning point of when Lil Aaron becomes the coolest underground artist to becoming like Lil Aaron is the fucking it. I can't wait. Sooner than later. Sooner and I, I want to give you a chance to shout out your team because I know it, nothing will be possible without your homies, your team around you, management, producers, creatives, whatever. Like I want to give yeah, you a chance. Yeah, yeah. Shout out uh, my manager first and foremost, Nick Warner. He's the best in the world. Lucas Keller, also one of my managers. Shout out Prescription. Shout out Big Picture Media. The whole House Heart Records team, Sky Yermoski, shout out everybody at the Mini Mansion. We got Jonah, Talmage, Connor. Um, we got John there. We got who else we got there right now? I think Dylan Ross is over there right now. We got John Pontiac over there. Fuck, there's so many people. My lawyer, um, Brian Shaw. <laughs> That's the first time I heard a lawyer shout out. Yo, big shout out, Brian Shaw. <laughs> Uh, my whole team. Fuck I feel yeah, like I, I, yeah. I, I, I'm always put on the spot with these names. Everybody knows. Everybody, if you if you know, I fuck with you. You know, I fuck with you. This is a shout out for everyone. Um, but first and foremost, you know, I got to give that Nick Warner shout out. He's been with me from the very jump. He's the hardest worker I know. Shout out my family. I know a lot of these interviews. I go pretty in depth and about you know you know growing up Christian, growing up conservative. But I really, really do love my family. I love my parents. I love my all my siblings. My older brother Cora got me into music, so like big shout out to my family. Um, anyone that's ever you know all the fans, anyone that's ever supported me, like I really, really am grateful. I, I feel like I don't take the time enough to say like how thankful I am. I'm very thankful that anyone would ever take a second out of their day to even consider showing Lil Aaron some love. So that's that's amazing. I'm I'm forever grateful that I even have this opportunity. So thank you to everyone that's ever given me a shot yeah for real shout out shout out nick because like I, I don't have a huge following now but six months ago i actually emailed him and he hopped on a call with me oh sick and this was oh uh, this is more he than texting six, me about it i remember him yeah this is more it. than six months ago this was like you played irving plaza i want to say almost a year ago and this over was a year couple ago. months yeah, yeah over a year ago this is a couple months after that and i had just started doing my music shit on this website, interviewing artists, just reaching out to people that I fucked with. And I sent him an email about you, Lil Aaron. And I was like, yo, like if he's in New York anytime soon, like, let me know. And he's like, uh, like, I don't know what his schedule is. Like, I, I don't think you were in New York like soon after that, but he was like, yo, like tell me about your website. So I was on the phone with him for probably like 20, 30 minutes. Just, That's like, sick. Telling him what I wanted to do. And then I hit him back when I started the podcast, like, three, four months ago. And he's like, yo, fuck yeah. Like when he's in New York. That's we'll awesome. So shout out Nick. Shout out Dana, Katie. Shout out Ro. 
Bro, Ransom, for Big sipping on this bro. whiskey with us. Yeah, Thank you for bro. tasting this whiskey. Yo, you got everybody go listen to uh, Bro Ransom's Thong Song remix. That shit go crazy. All right, we out. We out Thank we you, out, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was a good one, bro. That was a really good one. For whatever reason, you've listened to our entire podcast if you've made it this far. I have no idea why. Even I stopped listening after 17 minutes. But that's the beauty of America. You can give money to people that you have no business giving your money to. So support us on Patreon for only a few bucks a month and you get access to all of our content up to one week early, as well as a t-shirt. That's right, you get a motherfucking t-shirt. You can find the link for Patreon in the description of this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, comment, and rate this podcast wherever the hell you're listening to it. Because I'm a narcissistic piece of shit who lives off of likes and whiskey. But seriously, thank you so much, guys, for listening. I love all of you, and I love hearing about what you think of the podcast. So hit us up at Zach at Auxoro.com. That's Z-A-C-H at Auxoro.com to share your thoughts. The music for this podcast was produced by David Grossfeld, and this episode was recorded by Matt Grossfeld. See you next time. <laughs>